Hello, and welcome to Talkin' Tales, where we share stories about our animal companions, their unique personalities, their zany antics, and the heartbreak of saying goodbye. I'm your host, Paul Barnett. Today we have Debbie Worley from Kindness Matters Ferret Rescue in Ackworth, Georgia. Debbie, thank you for taking the time to talk to us about uh, ferrets. Well, you're welcome. I'm happy to. All right. So uh, let's let's start a little bit with, with your uh, history with ferrets. How did you come to uh, meet ferrets, learn about them, uh, grow to love them, etc.? Uh, well, meeting them, uh, I had a pet store with my first husband back in the 80s. And um, so we had ferrets there. They didn't really get the roam time that they do here. But I had a number of customers who loved them. And I thought, well, if they love them, maybe eventually I will. And with my second husband, I talked him into getting some. And that was it. Once, uh, once we got the two, we were in love. When we finally split up, um, I had, he took nine and I had 11. So we had 20 between us. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> And there, there used to be, there was a ferret rescue in um, Marietta, and um, she was, um, she'd been in business a long time, and she just kind of burned out, I guess, and uh, she uh, shut down, and I had been trying to work with her in the ferret world around it, and I ended up taking, at that time, I had 12 ferrets of my own, and I went from 12 to 45 overnight. That was pretty exciting. Wow, that, that's uh, quite a change for overnight. <laughs> just, just a little, <laughs> just a little. <laughs> how, how, did you, uh, how did you deal with that in terms of you know, space and accommodations? Did, did you have... Uh, uh, well, I, I free room. Everything here is free room, and I have, um, I've got my master bedroom, but I've got a master bathroom, uh, two bedrooms a living room so you know i just kind of split up ferrets so i could figure out personalities and just different things like that and just kind of winged it that's all i could do wow (laughs) i can't imagine i mean i uh so i have you know about as many ferrets as as you started out with originally there with your husband your first husband and um uh in 2017 i took on uh five uh sorry eight eight ferrets uh, total fostering them in a matter of a couple of weeks um uh and uh, that was quite a change i can't imagine going to 45 uh, overnight that's uh got to be quite a, quite a challenge um how is it uh with, with that many coming in uh how did you go about uh you know learning their personalities and you know their needs and i don't know if any of them needed medical care um yeah no well yeah definitely some needed medical care that was uh many years ago and i was uh you know i was still fresh on the scene so i still had a lot of learning to do myself so i just kind of i just had to watch everybody closely and put them together see who fought who didn't fight and things now with more experience i can get the ferrets in and and let them, you know, run around in the living room a bit, and even without other ferrets around, get an idea of the personality just based on actions that they do and and ways that they act by themselves. So I know what uh, what group of ferrets they may be able to go with. Oh, I, I can imagine uh, with that many, uh, you know, it, as I mentioned, you know, I, I uh, took on five uh, that were a group, and they were all uh, sable girls. Uh, all, oh, yeah. all similar builds, similar sizes. <laughs> uh, the only, and even a couple of them had identical nose patterns. Um, so just, you know, with that small additional group, telling them apart was a challenge. 
uh, I would imagine with with uh, 45 that uh, you would have had you know a couple that probably looked very very similar. Uh, yeah, well, there are 42 here now, and it is. Um, I would say that telling the ferrets apart is probably one of our biggest challenges. We keep I keep a a list of all the ferrets, and beside that list is a complete breakdown of coloring the the nose, a bib, toes, shape of the head, the the mask, dots by the eyes, anything at all that we can use to tell the difference. And then we also keep a track of, we feed six different kinds of foods here. So we keep track of which food that they like to eat, what toys they like to play with, what other ferrets they like to play with and things like that. So we don't have to try and remember it for all of them. Sure. Uh, yeah. It, you know, I've, uh, again, using myself an example there, uh, you know, since I had a couple that were virtually identical, I really could only tell them apart by their personality. Um, and that was, uh, one of them was a little, um, she, she did not like to be held. Uh, and so she would try to squirm her way out of her hands. And if you really held on to her, like to give her medication, she would uh, nip a little bit, not, not hard, uh, you know, not trying to be, you know, vicious or anything. No, no, She's just, just letting you know that she wasn't happy. Right. And, uh, so that was, you know, for, for a little while, uh, that was how I told them apart <laughs> was, uh, okay, if I, if I pick her up and hold her, does she try to get out of my hands? Um, that's, uh, it, I, again, it sounds like, sounds like quite a challenge there. Um, so it, it seriously, seriously is there does reach a point. Um, there's reached a point a couple of times where I've just had to print out pictures and, and tape them along the hall wall with their names on it so we can pick them up and hold them up. Say, okay, you're this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was going to ask you, what was your first ferret that you welcomed to the shelter? But it sounds like you took in a bunch all at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what, what that, that was because prior to that, they were all, I had, my ex and I had the two ferrets. And then from there, we... You know, I think we bought one from a pet store, but the rest we learned about ferrets needing homes and just took in ferrets here and there, but not with the intention of adopting them out, just taking them in. Right, right. So yeah. Yeah, my, my first uh, couple of ferrets I purchased from a pet store until I was enlightened and learned about uh, local rescue. And uh, Exactly. It's, it's been adoption ever since with a couple of fosters. Um, but primarily adoption. That's the way we like it. <laughs> I don't, I, I think, if, if I can um, in, include this here, what I get from a lot of people is that they um, they go to a pet store and they see that it's being kept in poor conditions or, uh, you know, not being kept clean and they feel sorry for it and want to buy it. But what, what I want people to know is that you may be helping that one ferret, but you are not helping the next batch that comes in. Right. The next batch has to go through the same thing every time somebody spends money at the pet store where the animals are not being cared for properly, you're telling that pet store that it's okay to keep taking care of those ferrets that way because somebody's going to buy it. And if we take away their profit margin and we take away the sales and make them have a ferret that's there longer, while we don't like that ferret to be in that condition, we're keeping other ferrets from having to go through it. And if they don't make enough money, then eventually maybe they may stop carrying them. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I, I totally understand. You, you know, folks end up supporting that cycle, and uh, yeah. it is hard. You know, you see them, uh, these little adorable creatures, and some of them really want to engage with you, and you just want to you know, rescue them from the from the store, take them home, give them a good life. But you do right. end up supporting that cycle, which is unfortunate. Right. Now there there have been, I will say, a couple of times where we have, um, as a rescue, 
have purchased, I think twice now, where we have purchased ferrets from a pet store. Um, one was, I happened to stop in there to introduce myself and he pulled me aside. The owner pulled me aside and asked if I had any advice. He had a very, very bad biter. And um, I asked to handle the ferret and confirmed indeed it was a very bad biter. And um, I was, you know, I was like, you, you have two choices. Either I can find somebody who can take this in or you have to return it to Marshall's where if you returned it to Marshall's, it's immediately euthanized. Yeah. So um, what I did was post it on my rescue Facebook page. Funds were um, raised. He, he was willing to sell it for cost. So funds were raised for the amount of the ferret and we bought it and got it into somebody's hands. That was to save that ferret's life. And another time was when a ferret was very sick and we were certain it was going to die. And uh, so we just purchased that one uh, to get it out of the, the hands. But most of the time when people are buying them, they're buying them because they think the ferret looks sad or because the corner of the cage is dirty. And what I tell people is, you know, don't buy it because of that. What I do is stand there in the pet store and raise cane until somebody fixes it. Yeah. And if you keep making enough noise, they will come over and fill that food bowl and the water bowl and clean it and trim the nails. But you just got to stand your ground and make a scene. And if you do it often enough at different pet stores, eventually they're going to be like, dang, I don't want this person coming around again. So I'm going to keep up on it. Yeah, that that's uh, that's very good advice. Uh, hopefully more people will uh, will do that because I have heard horror stories about some of the pet stores. But you're right. Uh, if, mm -hmm. if you if you let it slide and you, and you purchase the pet. You know, the next day or the next week, there's just going to be another one there in the same conditions. Not just one at that. I mean, there will be, they will get in four or five that have to go through the same thing. Sure. Uh, and yeah, although I think we've all uh, encountered ferret math, you know, you can't really go, you know, go back and purchase five and then you come back right. and there's four more the next week and you, know, you, you just can't do it. Right. Um, so, uh, with all these uh, ferrets that you've uh, encountered and, and brought to your uh, rescue, um, I would imagine you've had uh, you know quite an array of of personalities. Uh, can you can you talk to us for a minute about uh, maybe some of the biggest personalities you've had there, um, and that could be anything from uh, just how they were when they came in, or maybe even maybe even the uh, biggest turnaround. You know, maybe somebody came in, they were really timid, maybe they were a biter. And yeah, after spending some time there where they felt safe, maybe they you know, completely blossomed. I think um, if anybody follows my page, they've heard of Carrot. He came in um, earlier this year and was, oh my gosh, we fell in love with him. Everybody fell in love with him. Carrot came in really, um, really underweight and older and just, um, just sad. And um he ended up going from about a pound and a maybe between a pound and a quarter pound and a half up to three and a half pounds. Oh my. And such a happy ferret. We have a cat wheel here that the ferrets can run on. Oh, and carrot was, um, uh, he has adrenal disease and he was almost completely bald. He had just, just a little bit of tuft of hair around his head oh. and, um, with, uh, implants, <clears throat> excuse me, lots of food and soup. He got up to three and a half pounds, a full coat of fur, and he would love to run on that cat wheel. He would just run and run and run on that cat wheel. So we posted videos of him on the cat wheel. And it was, <laughs> it's so heartwarming when they, they come in like that, where they're just, 
you know, they're lost and they're, they're ready to just go. Right. And, and then we just recently this past month had Cole, he was, we get, I get about 30 ferrets a year that are found outside. And, um, and unfortunately we have to assume that they are let go because everyone that brings them to me says they'll keep an eye out for, for, you know, neighborhood signs or posts in the neighborhood group and things like that. Mm -hmm. And in all my years of doing this 17 years now, I've only had two ferrets picked up that were found outside that were, you know, that the owner got back in touch with me. So we assume that they've they're being let out. So that means that, you know, generally, um, if they're found quickly, they come in in pretty good shape. And Cole came in, was in pretty rough shape. He was just skin and bones. And, um, I kept him in my master bathroom for, uh, gosh, I don't know, a couple of weeks. And he got soup several times a day, just picked up and handled. And he was so, I don't know, just timid because he was scared. Sure. You know, he sure. was really scared outside. And then he just turned into this amazing ferret. He got so fat, so pudgy. <laughs> and he just, they, what they bond to me because they're in my master bathroom. So every time I go in there, I'm picking them up, but uh, he'd hear my boys and come running out and want to be picked up. And uh, eventually he got to mix him with the large group of ferrets and would, um, when he wanted attention, if he knew I was in my room, he would uh, <clears throat> come and stand by the gate at my bedroom door. Be like, okay, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready for some attention here. Just the sweetest thing. Oh. We just love him to pieces. That's and the, I, probably the biggest one. Um, was um, Frodo. Uh, I still cry over Frodo. Um, Frodo was uh, found in a box on the side of the road. Um, a woman and her daughter were driving and they saw the box there, but then they saw the box move. So they pulled over and picked up the box and Frodo was in it. And Frodo had a massive abdomen from um, advanced adrenal disease can cause an enlarged abdomen. Sure. And he was, uh, he was nearly bald as well. And oh my gosh, he was just the sweetest thing, sweetest thing ever. He got here and he was so happy. He didn't go through the shyness and everything that the others did, mainly because he wasn't loose and scared. But um, he was just, he hit the ground running. He was so happy. And he, he found, he loved all sorts of toys and he had to hoard them in his tubes. And <laughs> it was just the happiest fear. And he, unfortunately, he only lived a few months. Oh. But it, that last few months was so happy for him. And it was such a pleasure to, to be able to give him that happiness and love. It just, it melted all of our hearts. He had a massive following on, on Facebook while he was here. And a friend of mine, had an ornament a christmas ornament painted for me of him so every time i pull it out for christmas i have to cry all oh, over again yes, <laughs> yes. i to- totally understand um i i i don't understand why people would let any pet go uh right. certainly a ferret who you know, they really in a city they they can't fend for themselves like they they're there are so many dangers, uh, other animals, you know, vehicles. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a very rough environment for them and, and really. Well, and, and you figure that they aren't used to hunting for their food. They're used to having kibble, so they right. don't know how to eat anything but kibble. Certainly, yeah. 
Uh, I, uh, on a, a previous episode, I talked about um, one of my ferrets, uh, Ace, uh, who mm-hmm. uh, was astray. We, uh, I can only assume that he was let go because the same type of thing as you described, where there seemed to be no one looking for him. Um, right. And he was just the sweetest and, and um, just most amazing ferret. Uh, I had him. He, he found his way to me in 2018. And... Um, he had a broken canine, uh, which you hard to say how that got broken. He may have been trying to to bite through something. Um, uh, you know, it's not clear, but uh, he was he he loved attention. He did well on his own, but he also loved uh, having uh, brothers and sisters when he made him part of my family. And uh, he was just an amazing man. Unfortunately, he ended up with uh, bone cancer. Um, and I lost him in uh, November of 2020, which was a very difficult goodbye. But he made lots of friends while he was here, and, and uh, you know, I, I hope that uh, you know he was about eight when he when he passed. Um, and uh, even though he was only here for a couple of years, I hope that they were, you know, the best years of his life. Uh, he certainly had lots of lots of love and toys and friends. So, I think that's one of the things that really um, helps me as regards the. Um, you know, I, I lose plenty of ferrets every year. I, I I kid around, but I mean, I've got I don't I don't know well over a hundred ferrets buried in my backyard, oh. and I always talk about well, I hope Pet Cemetery never comes to life. <laughs> you know, comes to be real, real or something because <laughs> you have an army. Is <laughs> that when when they come in? You know, the fact that even if they die within a short time, the fact that they get love and care. And warmth and all the food they can possibly want within that time is is what what gets me through. When I get like I had one um, a couple of weeks ago, he came in and he he passed the very next day. Uh, he had been found outside, very very sick, and I took him to the vet. But um, those those are the ones that actually kill me because they um, they he was so sick he didn't get to know the love and the warmth mm. the way you know he wasn't cognizant enough. He was aware, but he was just, he was so uncomfortable with everything else. He, he wouldn't have known what was there, but at least, you know, he had the warmth. He had the food if he wanted it, plenty of water and, and knew somebody was holding him and petting him. But those are the hard ones when I don't get to spend enough time with them and let them know that, you know, not everybody out there is cruel. Right. Right. Uh, there's with, with some of those cases, um, you know, at least in my experience, uh, you know, when you, when they've been here for a little while and they realize that they're home and they're safe, uh, you pick them up and they, they have this relaxed feeling in your arms. They give you this look like they trust you. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. I, I certainly understand the desire to want to uh, make sure that everybody feels that. So uh, with your rescue, uh, it sounds like you've, you've certainly had some difficult cases there. Uh, do you primarily uh, adopt ferrets out, foster them out, or is it you know sort of a mix? And, and how do you decide? Um, if you do both ad- adopting and fostering, uh, who's well, I, I do both. Okay. Um, I, I mostly adopt out. If a ferret comes in that's um, older, that is going to require, like it has insulinoma where it needs meds regularly and things like that, then I'll foster those out. And that means that the rescue pays for the medical care for the rest of its life. Or like carrot, I adopted out carrot, but the rescue will pay for his adrenal disease treatment for the rest of his life because it's you know 
in his case, he was going to have to have both implants, and it's not fair for somebody to take on an older ferret and have to take care of the implant costs and everything for you know that that period of time. I do adopt out younger ferrets that have adrenal disease as well, but you know I let the people know what they're in for and offer the the second implant for free and um, you know reduce the adoption fee and stuff like that. I do temporary fostering fostering. Um, for ferrets that are adoptable and just to try and lighten the load here. And um, in that case, I'll take care of medical as well, but usually the people only have those ferrets for about a month before their return. We're, I'm, I don't know if you follow the page at all, but I'm in the process of getting 15 to 20 ferrets from a facility that does testing on lab. It's a lab that does testing on ferrets. Mm. And um, they are going to be releasing 15 to 20 of them to me. Uh, it could be any day. We're just waiting on the phone call. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but I'm also not because with 42 ferrets here taking on 15 to 20 more is going to be a, <clears throat> a huge undertaking, especially because they are not descented. And if you've never felt, smelled a ferret that is not descented, it's like a skunk when they get scared. <laughs> yeah. And but except that a skunk can only can release their scent. I think it's every forty-eight hours or something like that, and a ferret can release it quite a bit more than that. So, uh, and they're not. They're also um, very likely to be bad biters because they haven't been handled as pets. Right. Uh, so so I do I have. Just, I do have a little bit of experience with. Uh, Lab ferrets. Uh, I've had a few that have come from a lab, and uh, yes, they they can be biters because um, they've never really been handled. They don't, they've never known love and safety. Right. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, hopefully, this is not the case with with uh, the ones you're, you'll be getting. But um, many of the ones that I uh, have dealt with in the past have ended up with, um, we'll say, mysterious illnesses. Mm. Uh, they they have a uh, once they reach the age of five, uh, sometimes seven, uh, they, they develop strange conditions uh, that are difficult to treat, and uh, they, it's usually rapid demise. Um, I've, I've had several that I got when they were you know, about a year old, and they were quite amazing and wonderful, and, and I, have, uh, I have just two of those left, uh, and the ones who have passed, um, you know, I had them for, for five years, but uh, they did all... Um, Develop these. I had one that had a uh, pretzel had a uh, strange skin, skin condition that uh, the, the doctor. Uh, I have an excellent uh, exotic vet who's very knowledgeable about ferrets, and she couldn't figure out exactly what it was. And we tried all sorts of treatments and did uh, uh, sent a, a skin sample out to the lab, and they weren't entirely entirely sure. Uh, and uh, we had a really hard time getting it under control. Like we, we, you know, some of the medications we gave her worked for a few days or a week and then the condition came back and um, it's, it's unfortunate, but uh, you know, we didn't know exactly what the lab had done to them. Sure. Uh, well, I'm hoping to be able to, <clears throat> they won't tell me right now, but I'm hoping that whomever we pick the ferrets up from will be able to tell me, but given that we're still dealing with COVID, um, a lot of testing is done on ferrets as regards COVID. Uh, for the vaccine, but also because of treatment for <clears throat> respiratory conditions for COVID, because um, ferrets have a respiratory system very similar to a human's. Yes. So they're used for uh, respiratory experiments a lot more than other animals. 
Um, but you know, all I can do is 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 take them and go with it. That the rescue that I mentioned before, that was in Marietta, she had taken in some of the lab ferrets before. So I called her to get some advice on what to expect. And you know, um, all I can do is get them in. And 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 now I don't like I said I'm free roam here. All the ferrets are free roam. But these guys, I will not be able to free roam right off the bat until I can be sure they're not going to be bad biters or, you know, destroy some of the other ferrets and things like that. Right. Right. Um, uh, so you mentioned um, your Facebook page. I do follow your page. And um, uh, I noticed on your website, uh, there's mention of sponsoring a ferret. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about your, your sponsor program, how that works? And um, sure. Why? I've got, I've got, um, uh, I've got several people who set up like on PayPal or something and donate money monthly to the rescue. If they want to sponsor a certain ferret, I'll send them updates on the ferret. Usually sponsoring a ferret is going to be an older ferret, obviously. So I always have access to the pictures and what's going on with them and stuff. But, um, and what's kids like to do it too, because it keeps them, you know, they're enthralled with following up about their ferret and, and knowing what's going on with it and, you know, you know, and pictures of it and just different fun things like that. Okay. That, uh, that sounds great. sounds like a, a great way for somebody to, uh, uh, maybe get to know a ferret if, if, when they're not in a position to, uh, have them in their home. Sure. And volunteering. I get, um, not as many volunteers as I could use, but I do get people that come in and volunteer that are, uh, they can't have a ferret of their own, but they love ferrets, so they want to come. And, and you know, I don't, um, it's not like slave labor where they're, you know, you're here and you've got to work every single second. Everybody gets a chance to sit and play with the ferrets, which is always the fun part. Oh, okay. That sounds wonderful. Um, for somebody who's interested in adopting a ferret, um, how do you vet those people and uh, what, uh, what do you do to educate them? What would you like a new, someone who's curious about a ferret, um, what would you like them to know? Uh, when they contact me about adopting, um, I send some initial questions. Uh, if they've had a ferret before, if there are pets in the house, if there are children, and I send them some ferret information emails, ones on ferret, just general ferret info, ferret medical issues, the expense of having ferrets. That's the big, big thing there because most people just have no idea what kind of expenses involved with the ferret, especially, you know, for the fact that they get blockages so easily. And um, and then ferret-proofing the house. And then if there's children, I send additional ones to explain the dangers involved with, you know, having children and things like that. I make sure they've read those and understand what's there. And then I'll send an application. <clears throat> it's not I've, – I've had some people say the application is too much. I have others say it's great. Um, it, it, the bottom line, it just doesn't matter what they think. <laughs> Sorry, but I've narrowed it down to as few questions as I can in order for me to make the right decision and make sure that the home is going to be safe. And I'm not I'm not disallowing anybody just based on one question. It's if there's a if there's a question there that I don't I'm not sure of the answer of or I'm not comfortable with the answer, then I'll address it with them. Well, you said this. What about this? And and. Um, I don't understand what you mean by this. Or if you say the ferret's only going to be able to be out a couple of hours, that's not really enough type of thing. So I'm always trying to make sure they understand what I'm asking, but also that, 
you know, that the ferret's going to be going into a, a, a good home if they can only allow a few hours out at a time. Then I know that it needs to be an older ferret that doesn't need eight hours a day to play. And so I'm, I'm, I'm doing it based, I'm giving the application process and, and the questions based on trying to make sure the, the ferret's going to be safe, but also that it's going to be happy. But the, the family is going to be happy too. Right. I, 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 I try really hard to match the ferret to the family. And, you know, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to match a baby ferret to a family with toddlers because you're going to end up with children that are bitten or a dead ferret. Right. And it's just, it's just not a good match. So I just, I just ask a bunch of questions just to be sure that everything's good all the way around. And I also make myself, completely available obviously after the fact so everybody can ask any questions they want and you know call me if they got any problems or anything like that i uh, i think it's great that you uh, are very thorough in uh, uh vetting these people because uh you, i have heard stories where somebody says you know somebody says oh my my four-year-old child wants a wants a ferret yeah. and uh well Yes, there are ferrets who do like to be alone, um, but in general, they're very social. Uh, and so just having one might not be an option. But also, again, you have the, you know, the young child issue where you know, how they right. treat the ferret. It's not, you know, ferrets are not toys. <laughs> um, or you have the, you know, my 16-year-old child has decided to get a ferret, mm -hmm. except that child might be going off to, to college in a couple of years. So what are you going to do then? dating, work. Band practice, yeah, right. I think of of all the ages that I would prefer not to adopt to, and I, I don't want this to sound bad, but it would be uh, a teenager, sixteen and older, uh, simply for that reason. Um, they they are going to get very involved with other things, and they, there's just not going to be enough time for the ferret. Right, and like you said, they they need a lot of time, uh, especially yeah. the younger ones. Um, they they. Have lots of energy, and you also uh, spend a lot of time protecting them from themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, which, which oh my. brings me so to much of that. <laughs> yes, which brings me to my next uh, question, which is around uh, ferret toys. Uh, or I guess the environment in general, but uh, you know, toys more specifically. Uh, what types of toys do you uh, have available to your ferrets? What do you recommend? What do you recommend avoiding? Well, now there's a good question, isn't it? Um, first and foremost is we, we have just about everything here. And what we do is figure it out per ferret. There are going to be some rescues out there that are going to freak because I'm saying this and I'm sorry. But um, we, we keep rubbery toys down. We'll keep latex toys down. If, that, if we see a ferret that is chewing on it, every single one of them gets picked up. But until then, we've got... We've got ferrets that love to hide latex toys, but they don't chew on them. We've got ferrets that love to hide rubbery, like vinyl toys, but they don't chew on them. And again, as soon as we see anything chewed, every single type of that toy gets picked up. Um, that is a risk because if they start chewing and they do take a, a bite of it and, and swallow it, then there is a risk of a blockage. So I'm going to add that to it. But I have a hard time telling myself that because two ferrets out of 200 in a year may chew on a toy that those other 198 don't get access to that toy. <clears throat> um, we have containers of synthetic corks. We have uh, containers of 
uh, starch peanuts, rice, beans, uh, glass pebbles and marbles. Uh, they have access to the bathtub. We keep a container of water in there with uh, floating toys in it. We'll put ice in it. Uh, I'll hang the shower head down and let it spray water in the tub and they can get in there and put in that if they want. Um, oh gosh, just it, it, tubes everywhere. Tubes and, and, you know, twisted up tubes wrapped around chair legs, just any number of different things. So there's just always something different. And we try and change it around so that it's not, you know, the same thing all the time. Right, right. Uh, well, of course, bubble wrap and, <laughs> and the bubble envelopes. Oh, my gosh. And cereal bags. Holy cow. I don't need enough cereal to keep these guys happy. <laughs> so I beg it off of my neighbors, but they love cereal bags. <laughs> that, that must be an interesting conversation. Could I could I have your used cereal bags, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll post in the neighborhood section like, hey, uh, remember me? I run the ferret rescue. I could use some cereal bags here. <laughs> Uh, to your point about uh, uh, moving these around, uh, I found that because uh, I have a few distinct areas, uh, my, my ferrets have, um, well, my ferrets do sleep in cages. They do get uh, many hours a day access to the entire first floor of my house and it's it's ferret proofed. Um, and I have kind of distinct regions. There's like, I, there's an area called box land where I just have cardboard boxes that have uh, yeah. packing paper and things. And there's ball pits and there's tubes and there's, you know, soft tunnels and and whatnot. And, um, sometimes, yeah, I, I, I like to keep it fresh, but, um, there's only so many things you can do. Uh, I have found that, uh, sometimes I can just swap the areas around. Like I move box land to yeah, the other side of the yes, house. Just move it. And it's, and it's all, all new. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it, it's, it's a joy seeing them bounce around and, uh, chase each other. And, and, and I, I tell you, it's the best, the best, besides the helping the ferrets that come in that are sickly and helping them. But when they come in and they're so happy and they're just bouncing all over the place and just bouncing off the walls and just, you know, because most of the ferrets come in not having been necessarily cared for or let out enough or, you know, have, have more than one food or even enough food. So there's, this is just like heaven because they, and they're not, I, I know that, it, it's important to quarantine. That's why they go into like my master bathroom or into a separate area, but they're still not put into a cage for that. They're still allowed, you know, to run around in that room. And that's, that's just heaven. Right. I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, ferret healthcare. Uh, so okay. uh, if you can talk a little bit about um, some of the uh, common issues you see, what people should look for and uh, uh, maybe even some difficult cases, uh, you know, I, I certainly, uh, I've had, uh, you know, my share of experiences with uh, insulinoma and adrenal. Um, but uh, what are some of the things people should look for? Well, uh, adrenal disease is by far the most prevalent medical condition out there. Um, the 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 main symptoms for it are fur loss. Uh, the problem is that many people, you know, you're used to seeing your ferret every day. You don't realize that the fur is starting to thin. And then, um, unfortunately, the, most vets aren't aren't really that good at diagnosing adrenal disease. There isn't a medical test for it. There is a blood test, but it's inaccurate so often that we just don't use it anymore. Uh, so if your vet wants to do the blood test, don't spend the money on it. You have to diagnose it with the fur loss or other symptoms. 
increased aggression, pot belly. Um, if you check out the rescue has a page, it's um, fear at info, kindness matters, fear at rescue. It was, it's post after post of all sorts of medical information, including about adrenal disease and insulinoma. There's a lot of treatment for adrenal disease. And there really nowadays isn't much of a reason for a ferret to pass from adrenal disease as long as it gets regular treatment. Um, insulinoma is probably the next most prevalent. Um, while adrenal disease isn't... Um, we can't prevent it with what we're feeding per se. Uh, we, uh, there is enough information out there that it uh, may be able to be prevented with melatonin or uh, desflurelin implant treatment. And so that's something that I think everyone should consider. If I had personal ferrets, I would certainly do that. Uh, with insulinoma, this is low blood glucose that is generally brought on from eating a high carbohydrate diet, which means from eating a kibble diet. Uh, so if a person is able to get their ferret onto a raw diet, that is by far the best thing that one can do. And it's not, you know, it's not like you have to cut up hearts and gizzards and meat and everything. There is ground whole prey that's very easy to feed and very good for them. And um, I know a lot of people try to give their ferret raw and it doesn't take to it. But what you do is start giving them a soup mixture that they like. And then you slowly start adding a little bit of raw to that soup. And each time they get used to that, and then the next time you add a little bit more and a little bit more. And eventually you got them where they, they are, they're actually eating it and don't realize that they're eating it. And then you can start switching over to the actual raw. If you're not able to do the raw, then there's freeze-dried raw products. Uh, uh, well, Zeewee Peak isn't freeze-dried raw. It's air-dried and considered to be the best non-raw market or product on the market just an absolutely wonderful food but unbelievably expensive but very very good ferret's going to eat less of it and have a lot less medical issues there's freeze-dried raws of still on chewies primal nuggets meat mates um, wysong archetypals um, th those are also very very good ways to feed the animal without having to deal with the, the raw and not having carbohydrates from the kibble and if you're going to feed kibble, which most people are because of the ease of doing it, um, then it needs to be as high a protein and high fat as you possibly can get. But making sure that that protein is meat-based protein and not carb-based protein. I get messages from people all the time, well, this food says it's you know, 55, 60% protein. And I'm like, yeah, but most of that's rice or you know, vegetables or something like pea protein. I don't get me on pea protein oh, yes. um yes yes well so we'll go ahead and answer that the and it's not just peas by the way it is vegetables in general but peas are the worst of the vegetables that can um if a ferret has a predisposition towards getting bladder stones pea and vegetable based protein can cause them to get bladder stones which requires uh, oftentimes emergency surgery because you don't realize it's there until it's an emergency and it's extremely painful for the animal. So you want to keep that pea and vegetable protein in the food down as low as possible or non-existent. Um, I don't know. I don't believe ferret foods have pea protein in it. Some of the um, some of the cat foods do. So that's what you have to watch out for. Especially the ones that are marketed as grain free. Yes. Uh, yes. Exactly. Yes. But it's but it's healthier, right? <laughs> right. Maybe for humans. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that, that's funny you mentioned that because that's i i keep trying to 
I have to explain to people that you're not looking at this from a human's standpoint. You're looking at it from a the animal's standpoint and from um, it, not even just with the food, but in, in uh, I deal with this with um, like my ferret is greeting or my ferret is sad because this has happened or whatever. And, and what I frequently find is that the, the human is actually expressing its own feelings onto the ferret and the ferret isn't necessarily feeling that, but the human thinks that it is because that's how the human is feeling. Mm, right. Right. Okay. Um, so you mentioned uh, bladder stones. That is something I know that my uh, uh, exotic vet has, has dealt with with several ferrets. Um, and I think it, you know, a lot of it was from the, you know, pea protein and right. people thinking they were doing the right thing. Um, uh, let's talk about uh, ferret healthcare in general. Okay. Uh, so um, what, uh, what are some good practices for folks uh, in terms of keeping their ferret healthy? Uh, and then also, um, you know, finding a good vet. <laughs> That's a whole different, we'll answer that one separate. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> okay. So keeping the ferret healthy in general, uh, feeding a good quality food, number one. Uh, and it probably almost as important is making sure that ferret, is happy and it's stimulated. If a ferret is bored, if it's frustrated, uh, if it doesn't get enough playtime, it is going to get sick. Uh, they get they get ulcers, they get bacterial infections, they get eye inflammatory bowel disorder, all sorts of medical issues from boredom because there's just nothing for them to to you know burn off their energy that they have. So right. they've got to have that runtime and the playtime and and. I, I get that a lot of people have their ferrets in just in a room. They've got their own room, which is great, but they have to remember that, that that room becomes nothing more than a giant cage to them after a while. It's still the same area and they're still bored. So they, they do need time to play outside of a bedroom if at all possible. And if not possible, um, consider older ferrets or you got to change that stuff up in that room every single day. So that they're not, you know, not dealing with the boredom. And the other part of boredom is that they will claw, destroy things, but they can tear a toenail out. They can break a toe. They can break a foot uh, or they can chew and break off the teeth. Um, there's just so many things that can happen out of boredom. It's, uh, and also, of course, boredom results in chewing on things like bedding or things that they shouldn't. And that can create a blockage. I think the blockage is probably the number one result of boredom uh because they're just there's nothing else to do so they're just sitting around chewing on stuff um and and those can be quite quite deadly uh deadly because people don't always realize what's going on unbelievably expensive uh because most vets are going to charge 1500 or more to to do blockage surgery and um i mean unless you catch it in that first couple of days very very high risk uh, I, I will say, so that people are aware, signs of a blockage, number one is lethargy. They're, they're, they're not feeling well. Their stomach is upset. They're not eating. If you see that your ferret isn't eating for half a day, even three quarters of a day, there's something going on. Because a ferret has to eat every three to four hours because of their high metabolism. They've got right. to eat. So if they're not eating, there is something going on. Um, you know, diarrhea, I don't worry about that as much. If it's two days in a row, yeah, it needs to be seen by a vet. But 
stress can cause diarrhea quickly, but not eating is a very big deal. Um, not, not pooping is a surefire sign of a blockage. The, uh, the, I can't stress enough the importance of them eating regularly and, and yeah. any indication that they're not eating is, you know, needs to be investigated. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to say I had a, um, uh, a ferret named uh, Milo, who was my third Milo. Uh, uh, he came to me with that name now. And um, uh, this was just uh, a month or so ago. Uh, I noticed he was not eating, and that was really just um, – uh, I usually – he in particular got a, uh, a small bowl of soup in the morning, and he turned his nose up at it. And he walked away. I thought, well, that's not like you. And uh, I tried again a couple hours later, thinking maybe he, he had just eaten kibble and, and, and was full. Uh, but no, he he was not interested again. A couple hours later, I said, "Okay, something's wrong here," and uh, I syringe fed him a little bit. I got him to eat just a little bit, but it wasn't quite right. And uh, I took him to an emergency appointment at the vet. And uh, I'm glad that I did, uh, although the outcome was not what I'd hoped. Uh, it turned out that he had a um, if I get this name right, it was uh, intestinal um, intussusception. Uh, which is rare in ferrets, but uh, basically where one part of the intestines gets pulled inside the other and it starts consuming itself. Uh, and he ended up having emergency surgery. And uh, long story short, uh, he didn't make it. He made it through the surgery, but but we weren't able to resolve the condition. Right. Um, that that would yes. be very hard to resolve, yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, so any change in, in their appetite or energy, I definitely need to, uh, to investigate. Um, uh, I, I will, I really can't I will stress add enough. to what you just said there as regards if the ferret isn't eating, um, if the ferret, if there's any chance the ferret has a blockage, if it is, um, if it's having, uh, not having a stool or a very small stool, it's lethargic and it's not wanting to eat. Those are signs of a blockage amongst other things. But if you feel there's a possibility of the ferret has a blockage, do not try to feed the ferret. If oh, you make that yes. blockage move, you can cause a torsion, a twist in the intestinal tract, which will kill the ferret within a couple of hours, and it's an excruciating death. Or if it happens to be something that has a even a, a slightly sharp edge to it, it can cut the intestines, and then the the what's inside the intestines spill into the gut, which also is going to kill the ferret. So while you may be able to give a ferret something to move a blockage through, the risk of killing it is there, and it's not worth the risk. Right. Uh, yeah, so I guess the bottom line there is seek medical attention. Yeah, exactly. Ferret. Yes. Now, um, now, I will say more often than not, uh, seeking emergency medical attention is not really going to do anything because an emergency vet's not going to be able to do surgery and oftentimes won't be able to do like a barium x-ray which is first an x-ray is done if they can't see anything then they'll do a barium x-ray um, because that will help see something that a regular x-ray can't see so unless that ferret is in um, you know in, in serious condition where it, it could die in the next you know 12 to 24 hours well or if it's severely dehydrated I tell people to wait, but get the ferret to the, the vet first thing the next morning. Just be sitting at the vet's office and wait. And here's my ferret. It's sick. Do something. Yep. I, uh, you know, 
one thing I think we've mentioned on a previous episode uh, that I think also applies here is if you're going to show up at your vet, have as much information as you possibly can. Oh, gosh, yes, um, please. Which, you know, please don't show up at your vet and say, I think my ferret has lost weight. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I don't know what you recommend around this, but uh, for myself, uh, I uh, weigh everyone at least uh, every other week, sometimes more frequently, depending on the season and, and other uh, factors. But I keep a record of everyone's weight. So if I think someone has lost weight or they look like they've lost weight, I can look at the their history and say, oh, no, no, this is normal for this time of year. They always drop 50 grams, uh, you know, around you know, October right. uh, or they always gain 100 grams you know, in December. But it's not very helpful to my vet if I just say, I think they've lost weight. Right. No. And that you have a very good point. The more information you can go in with, I tell people to type out a, a <clears throat> or write out a form, everything they can possibly think of, how much it's been using the bathroom, you know, pooping or peeing or or eating or acting. Um, <clears throat> Just if they're if if they're just anything anything you can think of can make a difference on diagnosing what's going on with that ferret. That's a very good point. Yeah, the more information you have for your vet, the the more your vet can help the ferret. Yep. Uh, so it, it's critical. Um, and so speaking of vets, uh, how does someone go about finding <laughs> a good ferret vet? Boy. Um, Personally, I, I would recommend if you can find a ferret rescue in the area and ask them their opinions, because uh, if we're in the area, we have heard all the stories about all the vets and we know which ones are good or not. Um, I always recommend having a, the name and number of a regular vet and an emergency vet on hand ahead of time, because you don't want to have to be scrambling around for an hour finding the name of somebody when you need one right then and there. But um, uh, you can go on some of the, the the groups and put the word out there, say, hey, you know, I'm looking for a ferret vet that's in this area. Does anybody recommend somebody and read what everybody has to say? Because there's going to be some people that have good and bad. But if there's more bad than good, let's avoid that particular vet. Um, and that's really, you can't just go by calling around and that vet saying, yeah, I see ferrets, because the majority of the time that ferret vet that vet does not know anything about ferrets. They're just seeing them because it's extra money to be made. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, to your point of, of asking around, you know, at shelters, for example, or in groups to, to find a good vet, I would add to that, do that, you know, ideally before you get a ferret. Yes. Um, but certainly, you know, don't wait for there to actually be an emergency to find out, Oh, I need a, I need a vet now. Right. Right. Oh. Exactly. And, and the other, as you just said, uh, even check around, about a vet before you get the ferret because if if you don't have an exotic vet if that exotic vet's an hour and a half away from you you've got a problem that's a serious problem you're going to have to try to drive an hour and a half in an emergency situation and can lose the ferret is it worth that risk right not to mention yeah. you know for the regular stuff that you got to do so that's that's all i i want to add two things there that you sure you, uh First is, as regards seeing the vet, most people are not aware that their ferret still needs two distemper vaccinations if they have purchased it from a pet store or if they got it from an individual and don't have proof that it's had vaccinations from a vet. The the vaccination that the a pet store will tell you that the ferret has had its distempered vaccination, and that's because the paperwork from Marshall show that one temporary vaccination was given 
that was given to make it legal to fly, to, to ship the ferret. That lasts days. They still need two distemper vaccinations. The first one should be after the ferret's three months or older, and then the next one is three weeks after that. Distemper is extremely contagious. You can bring it into your house on your shoes just by walking through the path of an animal that has distemper. It is not mm. worth taking the chance. It is deadly. So right. it, it is important that this happen. It's easy enough to do. Just do it. Um, so that, that, that part, I, I just, I really want to make sure that people are, are extremely aware of. There was something else and I forgot what it is. So, oh, well. <laughs> That's fine. If it comes to you later, <laughs> feel free to bring it up. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, while we're on this topic of healthcare and, and finding a vet, um, uh, oh, what's your experience? Oh. Healthcare. The one thing that we need yeah. to bring up, hairballs. Oh, Ferrets yes. get hairballs just like cats, but they cannot throw up like cats. Uh, so they do need a hairball treatment. Uh, preferably once a week and in the spring and fall twice a week to help move fur through the system. Uh, there are hairball remedies. Um, although I will say I have had one person that gave, I know she gave her hairball remedy regularly and the ferret still got a hairball mm. and required emergency surgery. Um, the, you can use Vaseline mixed with salmon oil or some other liquid they like, or just Vaseline. People go bonkers because I say Vaseline, but you're, you're talking about, you know, a, a half a teaspoon once a week. That's not enough to cause any issue with the ferret. And it does really help move the, the fur through the system. I've asked a number of vets about hairball remedies. Um, I have not had one tell me not to use Vaseline. There are people that use egg. And egg does help some with hairballs, but it cannot take care of hairballs by itself. It must be given with something else. So if you want to use two products, even better, because hairballs are, are really, uh, they are a big deal for, for ferrets. People just don't ha really have any idea. Right. No, I, I've heard that uh, from my vet, and I, I do give my ferrets uh, Vaseline. I, we have the uh, hairball, hairball protocol, which involves... Uh, uh, Vaseline, you know, sometimes, you know, drizzles with a bit of salmon oil for those right. who don't like the Vaseline plain. Uh, but then also usually, um, uh, baby gas drops, uh, to help settle their stomach. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, it certainly can be an issue during change of season. Um, and, uh, depending on the ferret, you've got, you know, some ferrets who like to groom others. Right. Uh, right. and that will increase, potentially dramatically increase their risk of uh, hairballs. So it's absolutely important. Yeah, uh, so yeah de definitely. What's your uh, what's your experience with uh, ferret lifespan? Uh, what I tell people is that the average lifespan in the U.S. is six to seven years. Uh, I have had a ferret live to twelve, oh, wow. um, but I've also had plenty live less than you know five. So. Uh, but my my experience and from what I read and talk with other people, the average lifespan is six to seven. So when when someone contacts me with an older ferret that they want to surrender, older being five or older, um, I, I I talk with them long and hard about it. The, the The risk to an older ferret coming into a rescue is very high. They get stressed so easily. They right. don't understand why they're having to leave their home. Um, 
it, it inevitably they get sick and we have to, you know, spoon feed or force feed them, give them sub Q fluids, work them through the whole sickness. And sometimes they just don't make it as hard as we try. And I, you know, I would, I would do anything to avoid that. So I, I try and work with the people. It's like, look, is there any way you can keep them and just, you know, give them this much time if it's money, let me put it in as a foster ferret, meaning that you keep the ferret, but I pay for the medical expense and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Anything to try and keep that animal from having to go through what it goes through for coming into the rescue. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, I fully agree with you there. Like, you know, do all you can to, to keep the ferret. I, I can, yeah, you know, try not to be judgmental. I don't always uh, succeed at that. But, uh, you know, in my mind, there's very few cases where you should give up your ferrets. Like, you know, if you are you know, physically no longer able, if you've had a serious medical condition yourself and you just cannot take care of them, I, I can understand something like that. But if it's, well, I, I, I'm busy or, you know, I've taken off a new hobby. Like, no, you, you, when you adopted this ferret, you, you made them a promise uh, and you, you can't just give up on them. Like they, they've come to rely on you to, to, as a rescue, I can tell you, uh, when I first started out, I probably had that attitude. Now I just, I tell people, thank you for taking care of the ferret and looking out for the best interest of the ferret. Because if you know you're not going to give the best care to that ferret, then it's better off in my hands. The only time I'll argue that point is when it's older uh, and the risk is just too high for the ferret to come in. Um, right. While I'd rather not take in all the ferrets that come in, obviously, um, I'd rather they be in my hands than the person be busy and just leave them in the cage all the time and they get out an hour or two or they forget to feed them or the kid isn't paying any attention to them. It just it's I would yeah. I feel much better for myself knowing that I'm taking them in and not leaving them in misery. And no, along I, it, those lines is like when when I have a lot of ferrets. I will sometimes ask the people, I'll ask how the ferrets are being taken care of. And if they're getting reasonable care, then I'd be like, can you hang on to them? Let me try and help you find a home or let me try and help you figure out a way to keep them so that this works out or whatever. But if they're, if they're in that house and they're, uh, they're not getting out, but an hour or so a day, I'll be, get them here. And then as soon as you can, cause I can't, I just cannot stand the thought that they're out there not being cared for. Yeah, no, I can I completely agree with you. Like, you know, surrendering them is better than neglecting them. Right. Um, I, but I do. at the same time, like you said, when you take on an animal, you should be taking it on with the aspect of this is my animal, and I'll do whatever it takes to take care of it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would say nothing. Almost nothing bothers me more than when you see, for example, a someone that needs to rehome their senior dog. Um, you know, and they 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 give some your reason or reasons. And after they're home, and a couple weeks later, they have a brand new puppy. Yeah, all they, of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Wait a minute. That's or or I'll have people contact me, and uh, they'll say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I have a this type of animal or whatever, but I'm I'm going to get rid of it so I can get the ferret." And I'm like, uh, "I don't think so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doesn't work that way." <laughs> right. It's it's a commitment. Um, but but yes, I, I do agree that. If the ferret's going to be neglected, they're better off being surrendered. Right. Um, but uh, it, is, it is unfortunate if that has to happen. It is. But I think that uh, people people ask, uh, you know, how I, I do get an inordinate amount of younger ferrets. And uh, people ask how that's even possible, how why I'm able to get that instead of the people just 
selling them or something. And I think that um, I, I, I have to attribute it to just a couple of things. And from what I hear from people, one is that they, you know, they read the reviews and stuff like that, but they see that the ferrets are free roam. So they, they know the ferrets are going to be happier. And also that I do not, I do not give any guilt complex to the people whatsoever. It's I'm glad you're doing the best thing for the ferret and, and thank you for doing that. And so they're not, they're not feeling, you know, like dirt for, for turning the ferret in rather than keeping it in a, you know, non-healthy situation. Right. Right. Uh, so, so it's just one more uh, question uh, on the healthcare front, uh, which is, um, can you tell me maybe if you've had a, um, uh, I guess best categorize this as a medical miracle. Um, you know, I, I can think of, uh, a couple of cases, uh, that I've had where, you know, I had, for example, uh, I talked about this on a previous episode, a, uh, beautiful little, uh, ferret uh, named Kyra who was diagnosed with lymphoma in January, 2020. And we tried everything to save her. Um, none of the, the treatments were working, and we ran out of options, and so we did a bit of a Hail Mary with an experimental immunotherapy, which effectively cured her. And I got two more years with her where she had no tumors, oh, no awesome. issues with her eyes. Um, and uh, you know, we're hoping that the same uh, treatment can be used for, for other ferrets um, because she literally had, you know, she had a, a tumor in her head that was pushing her eyeballs out. And, right. you know, we're thinking, okay, this isn't going to... She had, a, she had a tumor by her heart. She had tumors in her legs. Um, and we were reaching the end. Like, you know, her quality of life was going to start decreasing. And uh, like I said, nothing was working until we tried this immunotherapy. And it took about six weeks total. Um, but within the first two weeks, most of her tumors had basically disintegrated. Um, and uh, so that was a a huge relief for me. You know, big success story. She seemed, she was very active, Um and uh, she ended up living to, living to about seven and a half. Um, do you have a, and a yeah? I, I uh, have stories. I don't not not from medical treatment per se. Um, okay. The, I I have one ferret that came in and he had um, the the left side of his head was easily a half an inch higher than the other oh. side because he had a, a cancerous tumor there. That ferret lived for three years. And a very oh, wow. happy, healthy ferret up until the very end. Um, I had another little girl that was diagnosed with lymphoma almost as soon as I got her. And she lived another four years. Wow. So when, when people find out that their ferrets have, um, you know, a, a, a cancer, I got one right now that's in a, a permanent foster home. She's just two years old, but her is um, the sinus cavity area is is raised. And that's because there's, uh, it, it's it's cancer, but right. she is doing exceptionally well, just happy, and the 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 foster home is just thrilled to have her there and everything. And it's just because they're diagnosed with these these things does not make it a death sentence. They can still live a good long time with it. Just you know, don't don't throw in the towel and don't start crying right off the bat. You just you just I mean. At the same time, there are certainly those cases where they, they go pretty quickly, but you just never right. know. You never know. And you never know what somebody's going to come up with. Yeah. That's, you know, um, that's I'm going to add on here in case somebody is in this in, in the Georgia area uh, I, that the University of Georgia is doing a program for ferrets right now that are one year and younger where they will give them a, 
a complete checkup, a free dust implant once a year if you bring them to them so, because they're doing a study on how dust, dust implants work for prevention of adrenal disease. Ah. Yeah, it's a, it's, I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity, but you have to know for sure that the ferret's under a year old. Right. And, and normally they don't, uh, at least in my experience, it seems like they don't d- develop adrenal till you know, maybe three years old uh, or a little more. Uh, so uh, if, if there's a way to prevent it altogether, uh, right. that would be right. wonderful. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, we, uh, you are correct that normally we don't see adrenal disease till they're a little older, but we are seeing it at, at younger and younger ages. I've, I actually recently had a nine-month-old and that was oh. diagnosed with an adrenal disease, no ifs, ands, wow. or buts. So. Oh, yeah. Geez. That's uh yeah some of those diseases are are uh, getting aggressive. I had one with uh, dim disseminated. Oh yeah yeah yeah, that's a rough one. Yeah, um, he, he he beat the disease. He good for he ended you. Up, he ended up passing from uh, liver failure though uh, after a couple of years. So he still we still lost him young, but uh, there is there's a lot of issues that affect these little guys. Yeah, so. there is. Well, uh, we're about out of time here. I really appreciate uh, uh, your time today. Uh, I'd like to take a minute and uh, if you can just say, how can people help? Um, how can people help you rescue? Um, and how can they get in touch with you? Um, you can get in touch with uh, email is the best way. KM is a man, ferret rescue at comcast.net. Uh, I do put my phone number out there. If there's an emergency, someone can call. I'd rather you not call unless it's an emergency. It's 770-235-0070. The Rescue has a Facebook page, Kindness Matters Ferret Rescue. And as I mentioned, the Ferret Info Kindness Matters Ferret Rescue page has post after post of all sorts of information that can be really helpful. And this information that I post is not just arbitrary. I talk with vets. Every time I go to the vet, I'm asking them questions. I'm constantly doing research. I talk with other rescues. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to make sure that, and every time I learn something, I revamp what's on there. So, you know, I'm trying to make sure that it's all good. For helping, um, the rescue has a um, Amazon uh, wish list, a Chewy wish list. Uh, Amazon Smile. If you're on, if you order from Amazon, which we all do, there's Amazon Smile that you can go through that sends a donation to whichever rescue you choose. Um, uh, of course, if you're local, donating any type of supplies when you come. Just uh, and if you're local, also in the areas that have Kroger, Kroger has a program where of community rewards where you can sign up and a percentage of your Kroger purchases go to a rescue. Excellent. Well, certainly we encourage people to uh, to check out your page on, on Facebook and uh, you donate if they can. Uh, Debbie, we really appreciate your time today uh, and uh, we look forward to seeing more great things coming out of your rescue. Well, thank you for your time. If you'd like to share a story about a special pet, visit us at TalkinTalesPodcast.com or reach out to us on Twitter at TalkinTales. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-T-A-I-L-S or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tales. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tales. No matter what podcast app you choose, please take a moment to rate and review the show. 
It helps us find new listeners, which means we can bring you even more stories. 